0: to The Anthroposopher, where we bring anthroposophy to life through interviews, conversations, and explorations. I'm your host, Laura Scappaticci, and on this episode of The Anthroposopher, I interview Anna DeWild. She's a naturopathic doctor and biography practitioner, and has a new concept called the fifth temperament. We talk about surfing the four temperaments, what the fifth temperament is, risking connection, and... Having heart to heart rather than head to head talks. Hi, Anna. Hi, Laura. (laughs) So, um, thank you for joining us today on the Anthroposopher. And uh, we are so lucky we're just sitting here together in California. That's so true. (laughs) But we first met in Switzerland.
1: So, that's true, too. Yeah. At the Gertianum last year.
0: That's right. That's right. Yes, that's right. Last March. Uh, last March. Mm-hmm. And so we, you picked me up from the airport, which was very sweet of you, and I appreciate that, and we were talking about your medical practice, and so you're, we're going to talk about um, that today, and mostly we're going to be talking about the temperament. So you're out here in California. um, Going around and talking about the temperaments in different areas and um, you were just with sort of a mainstream population, right?
1: That's true. I just come from Malibu, California and uh, I joined the conference for kinesiology people, so all of the health, out of the health business mm-hmm. and I talked about temperaments there and they didn't have any background information so it was fun to do so, That's... to inspire them.
0: That's great. Yeah. And so you're talking to people that aren't necessarily familiar with anthroposophy, aren't necessarily familiar with the temperaments in in general,
1: right? That's true. Because, you know, all my clients, they don't know about anthroposophy. So I have to, you know, put it in their language. And that's something I really appreciate doing, putting anthroposophy in a common language so I can reach out with that and connect to, you know, people out on the street.
0: That's great. Okay, so let's back it up a little bit and can you tell me about your practice in um in Switzerland and um sort of like how you ended up like how did you connect with anthroposophy? I like to ask everybody that question. Where did it come from?
1: So, I studied naturopath um 20 years ago in Switzerland and there I met a teacher and he was anthroposophist and and he really touched me. So, that was the first connection I had. Although I'm living almost next to the Goetheanum, um I never ever had, you know, contact or or any intention to go there. But that teacher woke something up. And then l- later on when I had my practice, I started to think about temperaments somehow and... and and I was dealing with four temperaments, and in my work I work with Chinese elements. So, and we have five Chinese elements, and I was figuring out how to put these four temperaments into the Chinese elements. So, that's where my temperaments work started, and then I found out that th- th- how it how it would fit, and uh, the so I was very proud and happy, and I you know, created a set of playing cards and start playing with these temperaments and with my clients. And I just got more and more into it and and made more and more sense. Not thinking about Anthroposophy still, but then, then, you know, this thing in life happens where you get 40, 42 years old and you think like, wow, you know, I really should do something real. (laughs) <laughs> and you're questioning your whole life. So I thought, I thought, let's go and study psychology. Because that's what I love, you know, to connect with people and listen to their stories. So, but, you know, I didn't have enough high grades to do that. So I had to go to the university, you pick also other people and do exams on German and English and, and IQ tests and, and, and then mathematics. And I failed. I just mm-hmm. failed. I would have failed too. Yeah. I, <laughs> not much I struggling. just failed. So I was uh. standing there, you know, in the capital of Switzerland, just heard that I failed and mm-hmm. I had to wait another year and I was really struggling in my daily life because I needed to do something new. I felt that there is something out there waiting for me. So out of the blue, somehow I thought let's study anthroposophical basics. Let's go to the Go to and just take one year of anthroposophical studies. So I did. I went there the very next day and signed up and they took me and so I started studying anthroposophy. And it was just wonderful. It was mm-hmm. amazing. Um these young people I studied with, you know, with all their knowledge about the books and, and where they read and which page and all that stuff. <laughs> and I was like, really? <laughs> Did I read that too, you know, but but what I found out with my clients and my work and who I am, I could fit in there perfectly. I had other stories. I had the stories from the outside, not from the inside of the books, but I had the fitting stories from my own life. So they appreciated that and I appreciated their knowledge, you know, in 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 the books and um it was a wonderful year and it was just three Two years ago, I finished. And guess what? I finished with a lecture, a public lecture at the Goetheanum, about five temperaments. Mm. So I got encouraged by Bodo von Plato to call it the five temperaments and just be courageous and go out there and, you know, talk about five instead of four. uh, So I did. And then I got in contact with biography work and I... Was so happy to to you know to figure out that I don't need psychology. I need biography work because that's what I already always did. So mm-hmm. because you would be hearing stories all the time with your I, patients, exactly. right? And yeah. yes, mm-hmm. yes, and I like to connect with them and their stories. So I decided instead of going back to university, I go to New York mm-hmm. <laughs> and start you know, taking classes for biography work. And as I am a traveler, you know, I could do it in Germany. But, yeah, I need a reason to meet people far away. That's the passion I have.
0: Yeah, great. And so that's a beautiful story. So, you know, you see that, that, you know, speaking of biography, which maybe not everybody knows, you know, is sort of like... Um, understanding your life story, understanding yep. it through other people's stories, looking at these seven-year cycles. So you, so you have this moment of sort of failure at around year 42, and uh, that ends up being this really creative journey for you at that time. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's great. And then, you know, this this sort of courageous act about the five temperaments. So just in case people don't know, can you just break down what the four are yes. and then explain um, your ideas about the fifth. Yes.
1: So, um, Hippocrates was a Greek doctor and philosopher and he first invented or named the temperaments. So we are talking about the choleric, Mm -hmm. the sanguine, the phlegmatic, and the melancholic temperament. So that's 2,300 years back when, when this knowledge started and uh it's still there, and it's still important. It was always important to numerous people, church people, politicians, psychiatrists, philosophers, whatever it was always there, and it were it was always the four four temperaments, and through all the time, people thought you can only have one mm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so that was that was their thinking and Then what I found out um in my studies is that Rudolf Steiner ac- actually got asked one time, like, what is your, what's your temperament, right? And he said, I'm the fifth. Mm. Yes. Wow, I didn't know so that. So really, yeah. he really, he really pointed that out, you uh-huh. know. And then I was like, wow, I figured that out myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, Steiner and I, we have, you know, something in common. <laughs> so... So the four are still there and I'm still working with these four but I added a fifth to it. And the importance of doing so is because if you're working with four you start to categorize people and you start tagging them and then like, oh, this is a choleric period, you know. Mm-hmm. And by adding the fifth which is actually the your own blend of temperaments, your own special blend, that's the fifth temperament so that means everybody has parts of every temperament in it, in him, himself you know mm-hmm. and by adding the fifth like officially to the four now it starts moving now you cannot tack anymore you cannot categorize you can say oh i see this choleric appears in this situation mm-hmm. and then you have to let it go because if you meet this person in another situation it might be another temperament showing up so Mm -hmm. this is a very freeing uh, liberating thing to do and what you gain when you work with that is more empathy more empathy Mm -hmm. for the people around you it's um, I once said it's peace work it's active peace work working Mm -hmm. with temperaments that's great Uh, yes
0: and I would say biography work is that too, right? And biography so putting work. Putting those is also, together. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know there's probably some Waldorf teachers listening to this and um, you know, they're always asked to sort of work with the temperaments in their in their classes and mm-hmm. look at the children. Um and i think you know adults are trying to figure out like where where they lie like i have friends that have just i was just on a trip with my friend and she was like what temperament am i again <laughs> and i was like uh <laughs> you're not one you're 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 a combination so i could have said well you're you're the fifth um which that yes. gives me some language there but could you break down the four and I think, you know, in our discussions, you talked about the way that you illustrate these is sometimes through pictures or through music. So maybe you could give these music examples that you told me. Obviously, we can't play them right here, but maybe we could hum them Um, of the four. And uh, because I think that makes it easy to relate to for people. Like you said, you're talking to just people that don't have a connection to it. Mm So so let's let's. Let me just be choleric. Start out with the choleric one. Okay.
1: <laughs> Here's the choleric. So that's a theme, a choleric theme. Uh it's music by Beethoven. hmm And Beethoven actually appears as a choleric. If you see his face, you can study how a typical choleric face can look like Mm -hmm.
0: not always i would guess because everybody's
1: all exactly connected and but if you would go into internet and just you know randomly look for beethoven in a picture Mm -hmm. you will see a most choleric picture appears Mm -hmm. yes and so the well don't nail me on that but it's the fifth symphony i think okay so it's the that's one. Yeah. yeah, everybody knows that one. <laughs> everybody knows that. So it starts really in your head, and it's going like, pooh, pooh, pooh. That's mm. choleric. Yeah. A lot of things are going inside, a lot of thinking, and then a lot of action. So that's, that's right. like, main choleric. And mm. then we, you know, we go to sanguine, and that's more in your heart, breathing, rhythmic system. Mm-hmm. So you have a more cheerful face, which is Mozart. Mm-hmm. You know, red cheeks, and nice, and nice friendly face mm-hmm. and 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 sparkling eyes that's important and if you want to pick a piece of Mozart because he's a special case he was a sanguine for sure but also very melancholic but let's stay with the sanguine so pick this duet in the magic flute where papageno is singing with papagena mm-hmm. and then you have this pa 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 you mm-hmm. know this here and there and here and there and everywhere yes theme and, and then you feel like okay that's that's sanguine, yes. It's everywhere and nowhere. Right, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. like a butterfly. Like yeah, exactly, like a butterfly. Yes. Mm-hmm. So and then you go down into your digesting system, which is important for phlegmatics. Phleg- a phlegmatic person needs a, to have a good digesting system. Mm-hmm. That's like their base to mm-hmm. be. So and then we take Handel, mm-hmm. and Handel, com- you know, he's a composer of water music. And you have like this this really wide music like dun, da, da, dun, mm-hmm. da, da, dun mm-hmm. like stuff like that. Like so a slow they're It's space Slow in it. and yeah. wide and Yeah. yeah, kind of a odd rhythm. But yeah. you know, very comfortable. You're you're sitting in a lazy chair when you're yeah. listening to that, you know, and you have maybe a nice glass of wine or whatever. <laughs> so that's phlegmatic. And then we go down so to the really um bony area where where flesh and bones and burdens and pain and suffering happens mm-hmm. and that's melancholic mm. and for the melancholic to think all these thoughts you you, you see a bony forehead maybe or mm-hmm. you see you know he really needs to suffer and to feel pain that's his inner motor you know that's that brings him forward these these huge ideas mm-hmm. uh, melancholics can can create so pain and suffering for a melancholic is actually something you just have to deal with, mm-hmm. and it's not bad. Right. And if we go into music, we we look at Chopin, mm-hmm. and uh, you know this—he's looking more inwardly than outwardly, and has this big nose and you know these huge hands. And I would pick for the funeral march like, bum, bum Ba-dum, 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 ba-dum.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: So if you listen to that, then you really can go into a melancholic mm-hmm. mood. So right. I would pick these four. Yes. Pieces of music.
0: Okay, that's great. That's a great. I think that's an easy way for people to get a like a, a light kind of feeling for yes. it. You know. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. So so then, what do you? Why is it important to work with them? Like, how does it help? Like you said, this this it's a peace sort of making thing. If you understand yes. it, but
1: how? How is it? So if, if we're going back into a classroom, and, and and you know you're a teacher and you have to think about temperaments when you kind of you know teaching children. Um, I want to say the first thing that appears with new children is their safe their safe spot so they will show the temperaments they are most safe in Mm. and uh, if that's choleric it's choleric sanguine whatever so so just be aware that that you have like your safe temperament Mm -hmm. Um, and it's different for anybody and if you think like that so there must be something underneath so if i if i have a choleric and i go like yeah and you know can you carry this heavy stuff for me, it's maybe too heavy for you, and the choleric goes like, yeah, sure, I can do that, Mm -hmm. you know, and with the sanguine you have a more playful something going on, and Mm -hmm. all this stuff, then they feel safe, but now this is the but thing, because we have five temperaments, Mm -hmm. we're dealing with all the temperaments in one child, so now you, you, you gave this child a safe feeling, so... Now maybe another temperament appears. Mm-hmm. Maybe he wants to try something else. So a teacher should always questioning if his guess on temperament on that child is still is still the right one, mm-hmm. because it can change. Right. So that's uh, very important
0: yeah so that's like a flexibility of soul thing in a way like like so that you don't get a fixed perception of a person exactly or even a fixed perception of yourself so that the fifth temperament offers this flexibility and, yes. and understanding um
1: yeah okay that's and it great. keeps you awake and observing yes, yes. right
0: right exactly
1: I I may can give an example. We talked earlier about about my daughter who yes, who had uh, this experience in school. So she was about 12 years old and she came home and she was really furious about her teacher and she was screaming around how unfair he was and he treated her bad and and I was like, "Well, well what's going on?" And then she said, "You know, I'm doing my best and and so the teacher would, you know, would say, "Under my test, you did good." But you can do more, and I and she said, I just hate it when he does that. I can do more, you know, and so maybe you want to tell. So I ask you,
0: um,
1: how would you react, or what do you think is a reaction, a mom? Yeah, would say. Well,
0: actually, you probably could be doing more.
1: Exactly. So, we, and, and you can also tell the audience what would be the reaction of a 12-year-old. Uh, I don't want it anymore. I'm doing enough. Exactly. Doing Sla- the best I can, <laughs> Mom. Slam doors and go away, you yeah. know. So we all know that this would be a, a likely reaction. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, it's stupid because we know and we still do that, right? So here is, um, here is another approach. So this daughter comes and she's obviously in a choleric state, she's furious and, and angry and, and and you know. So I said, yeah, that's very annoying, you know. If I would be you I would be upset too. So I don't blame the teacher, but I just go into that situation and I share it for a while. So that gives safety, so now she's hurt. Mm-hmm mom is listening to me that's what what's going on inside so she she said you know what I will do more Mm. and I want to see if the teacher gets it Mm -hmm. so this is more likely a melancholic thing because I think something but I won't tell anybody it's an inner work but I keep it secret that's very melancholic Mm -hmm. she did it she came home and then she was very sanguine. She forgot about all the struggles we had and the fight in the kitchen and the teacher who, <laughs> who did that and all that stuff. So she'd just forget about it. Mm-hmm. And she was happy and she showed me the, you know, the sentence the teacher put under the sheet. So it was, it, she was totally in peace. And then the fourth step was phlegmatic. She just kept on doing that. Mm-hmm. So now she's 23 years old and she's still doing more if she knows more she will write down more mm-hmm. and this is a behavior she, that just came out of that one single moment where I just served with her on the wave of choleric and then experience all the four temperaments appeared you know mm-hmm. and and that's the magic about the fifth because I was not dealing with the temperaments actually I was dealing with my daughter Right, right. On the waves of temperament, wow. I would say. So you don't know. You don't have to know anything about temperaments. If you just know that I serve with what appears first and see where that wave goes to, mm-hmm. you already are into that work.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. So you're surfing, surfing the temperaments. Like you're I'm yourself, surfing the temperaments. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's nice. You're just going to ride that. Yeah. What a great example because she moved through so many. Yes. And you know, like I, I didn't really think of temperaments like that in terms of like how they appear in certain situations, right? And so, mm-hmm. so she was having this this choleric reaction, and you met her, you met her there, and yeah. that allowed her to experience it and reflect herself rather yes. than having to fight with you instead, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and then she could move through the move through the others instead of being stuck or instead of m- me having a perception that she's stuck, you know, or whatever, yes. as the parent. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: And one thing I have to say, the last 20 years I observed that more and more melancholic children mm-hmm. come into my office and um, the problem with them is always the same. People want to cheer them up. Uh-huh. You know, life is easy, <laughs> life is fun. Come on, have right. some fun, you know. And I just want to say one extra thing about melancholics because that you should do the opposite. And mm-hmm. um, they will go more and more into their shelves and, and mm-hmm. hide more and more from the world because nobody understands them. Mm-hmm. Imagine. A teacher again. It's I think it's an easy example. Teacher says, "Okay, let's just draw a cow. Mm-hmm. That's our next exercise." And then you hear Colère, "Cow, cow, cow is cool. Can I do a bull? Can I do two bulls? You know, you hear them. You, they're there. They're loud and they're in action. And then you have this." sanguine child, okay, a cow, so I need a farm, and flowers, and a (laughs) fence, and, you know, a driveway, and and a truck, (laughs) and some chickens, and some chickens, (laughs) exactly, and then after a while, you know, he will raise his hands, and, and said, you know, what actually am I supposed from? And the teacher <laughs> will say, Well, it was all about a cow. Oh, yeah, cow. So a trunk and a tree. <laughs> and then you have the phlegmatic child who will, you know, take the thick pencils out of, of, of their desk and, um, you know, line them all up on the table. Them all up. <laughs> and then they start, you know, with big movements slowly. And mm-hmm. You don't hear them. You, you just see, you know, it's easy. And now we're coming to the melancholic child. So there's this white page. Mm. And then there's this task, cow. Okay, Mm -hmm. so nothing happens. So Mm. after a while, the child might raise his hands and say, Well, teacher, I have just one question. And the teacher goes like, Okay, so tell me your question. And he says, These horns. (laughs) Are they in front of the ears or backside of the <laughs> ears? Oh my goodness, exactly. such detail. Such detail. And if you go like, well, whatever, just, you know, no, don't do that. You say, oh, that's a very important question. Ah. So you, you just go into that. It's, it's complicated. These horns, I mean, do you know where they are? <laughs> no. <laughs> there go, so somebody should know. Oh, um, yes, and the melancholic's going to think about that. And the melancholic's going to think about it. So you cannot speed it up, but you go like, yeah, that's really... So you can say, shall we look into a book? Or do you know a cow somewhere? Can you go and actually watch it? And maybe the child says, you know, I will ask Daddy tonight. He'll know. hmm And then you you just keep it like that, right? So for all the melancholic children out there, I have a big heart for them. Mm -hmm. And I really see them prosper and and grow and lighten up by telling them it's okay to suffer. Mm -hmm. And you can do that. It's an easy exercise. You can just go there and see, oh, look, shall we give this plant a little water? you know it's very dry so just point out in the outside world that there's suffering and pain oh this little creature we should put it back into the grass so nobody steps on it Mm -hmm. oh yes that's a good idea so every time we do that it's a relief for that child Mm -hmm. and as i told you before that Melancholic is the black sheep of this family. Mm-hmm. I really want to, you know, emphasize mm-hmm. with that temperament. So be yeah. courage, you know, suffer with somebody, Sh- suffer with a child for a while. Yeah, it's worth doing that. And mm-hmm. don't cheer up melancholic people. Yeah, in in the first place, you mm-hmm. know. So m- maybe after a while they cheer up themselves, and then they. Get into other temperaments, and you have a good time.
0: Right, right, right. So you accept accept the person where they are, in light of that temperament that yes. they're bringing at that time. Yes. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I'm just thinking of like you know relationships. Like we, we used to have this character when when my husband and I, when we first got married, where I called it Reflector Man. Like it was like this this you know superhero in my mind that would fly down with a cape on, with a mm-hmm. big R on the back. And I would say, just reflect back to me what I'm saying. And I, I, because I would be upset about something. And then he would be like, oh, well, you know, he'd try to fix it or something like that. And then whenever he would say it back to me, it always felt like unnatural to him. Mm-hmm. But I always fell for it. <laughs> so I'd be like, oh, I'm so upset about this thing. And you'd be like, wow, you're really upset about that thing. And I'd say, yeah, I'm really <laughs> upset about that thing. And it worked every time. I couldn't believe it. I didn't even know he was, even though I'm the one that told him to do it, I didn't realize when he was doing it. I just felt like I was being heard, right? And so even though it felt unnatural to him a little bit, which I think, you know, it takes a little shift. Like you said, it's so easy. Like if you think about the reaction your daughter would have had in that Mm -hmm. situation if you hadn't met her where she was the doors would have been slammed and you know that would have drama crying and drama yeah Mm -hmm. exactly but you had enough presence of mind to meet her in the temperament she was in and I I love that it's connected to the temperament so
1: yes yeah and while you're doing that you're you're also more skilled in listening Mm -hmm. you're more more skilled in holding back your own feelings for a moment which Mm -hmm. is Actually, if you're doing the sec- six exercises, you know this. Yeah. The, the second, uh, the yeah. third or fourth one is open-mindedness like open-mindedness and yes. equanimity. Yeah. Yeah. Two so equanimity—that's mm. equanimity. So you yeah. you just try to hold yourself back. Yeah. But then what you gain is actually um, by going with their feelings. Mm-hmm. You kind of. Um, have a connection with these feelings inside yourself mm-hmm. without expressing them so you get mm-hmm. a richness in yourself by doing so. Hmm. So this holding back actually gives you something. Mm-hmm. Which which is yeah, worth going for I would say.
0: I would say so too. I feel like we don't do that enough. We don't, you know, and when we do
1: you like you can feel a little shift like can, oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah and you have like really wonderful things that happen um afterwards you you, you never know what's the next temperament that that appears there's no yeah. rule be, with that you know mm-hmm. if it it could be i i had that in my family too so very choleric you know angry about something and then you go with that child and you're angry too a little bit mm-hmm. and then kind of swaps into a ridiculous <laughs> funny situations, right, and right. we always start laughing, and yeah. and and you know, so it it swapped from choleric to sanguine. Yeah. So everything can happen. Yeah. You just don't know. Right. And that's maybe the the thing why we don't do it because if we know the reaction, we think we're safe. Mm-hmm. But I, but I think the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. We should go for the unknown. Mm. Because that's more safe mm-hmm. for the people we connected with. Right. Right.
0: Because we're really present then and not just guarding ourselves. Yes. We're, we're meeting the person. We're meeting. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's great. new
1: land. So that's mm-hmm. why we feel unsafe. But that's the only path we can go if we want to become human beings, connected with human beings. We have to risk the mm-hmm. connection and not the yeah. predictability.
0: Mm, that's so nice (laughs) okay so you know you talked about humor too and I know that this is like a thread that's goes through your work um and you said you know you can be in this really choleric state and end up like laughing and I know I I have some people in my life that are like masters at that like you know (laughs) you just end up like rolling on the ground even though the situation Mm -hmm. was so dire right um, so how, when you talk about this in, you know, when you meet with groups or you're giving talks, um, that could be very serious. Like, what do you, Yes. tell me about humor for you.
1: Yes. So when I, I, I just started to send little bio about myself. So people ask me if I go and help give a lecture, can you tell me something about you? And I would, and, and then I found out, so if I would be a sensory organ, I would be a ear okay mm-hmm. listening to people is my main thing and then my healing language is humor mm-hmm. that's just who I am so what does that mean so when people come to my office they struggle you know they have a issue mm-hmm. whatever hay fever mm-hmm. bad relationships mm-hmm. concentration issues you name it mm-hmm. so they come with a with a problem and um, and a problem is something you have no approach to, right? So it's kind of the other side of of the river. Like, I want to go there, but I'm stuck in my problem. So what do you, do I need? I need a bridge. So I need to, to bridge my own life with the problem I I'm connected with. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 this bridge is actually humor. Um, and it it depends who shows up. You know, it's not me. Being humorous, right, but it's me looking for that crack mm-hmm. where the light comes in, you know where you just see okay, okay, we can go there mm-hmm. so and if you if you are actually on the point where humor appears, healing starts to appear mm-hmm. so little example I gave you before is this man who came, and he was he was a very rich, good, well-dressed man with jewelry and a nice expensive watch and whatever, and he was very melancholic, and my first session was hard because it was all about pain and suffering, really, really heavy mm-hmm. hour I spent, and I worked on him, and I saw that he, that the date on his watch was wrong and that's not melancholic, so I just recognized then So it's not melancholic, what
0: is that if you don't do that with your watch? That
1: would be sanguine uh-huh. or phlegmatic. Oh, gotcha, I don't care. like I
0: can't get to this yeah. thing. Yeah. But
1: melancholics are the perfectionists. Right. It has to be melancholic wouldn't have the date wrong on their watch. It would never, make them crazy. Never ever. <laughs> <laughs> so um, actually he came back And uh, he had a funny issue. I just remember right now, he needed to find a new lady who's cleaning his house. Mm -hmm. So this man is, like, in, you know, early 80s or something. And he said, you know, it's hard to find somebody to clean my house. And how dare she can leave me after 40 years of cleaning my house. (laughs) 40 years. Like... Give her a break, you know. <laughs> so I said, yeah, that's So I went, okay, that's a serious problem. Mm-hmm. You said that to him? I, I said that to him. You went right there, even though in I your head like, you're like,
0: uh, oh, my uh, God. Well,
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> at that very moment, I'm not in my head. I sit right. kind of next to myself and observe what I'm doing. So I was yeah. like, yeah, that's really hard. After 40 years, it's hard to find somebody, and how dare she goes back to Spain, Right, you know. right? And he was like, yeah. So I was talking about melancholic and I was explaining him the melancholic temperament and he said, yes, exactly, that's me, that's me, that's me. If I go to a restaurant, I always order the same stuff, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because that feels, yeah. You know, then, then I know it's good. Yeah. So he went all into this melancholic and he felt, you know, he kind of opened up with that because I really told him how he was mm-hmm. and he thought he was. And then... After 45 minutes, and I can tell you 45 minutes that's the break point that something happens after 45 minutes. So then I said, You know, so you're melancholic, and she, yeah, I'm a melancholic. And I said, No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> and he was looking at me like, What's going on, right? And then I said, The date on your watch. Is still wrong, right? And he said, "Yes, it's still wrong because I don't like to do that. It's too fizzly and whatever." And I said, "So you cannot be a hundred percent melancholic." Mm-hmm. So I changed my voice because it was the right thing to do because he yeah. felt safe. Yeah. And I said, "So there must be some sanguine or something else poisoning your hundred <laughs> percent melancholic." And he was like, "What's going on?" So, but then he got it, you know, and mm-hmm. and we could work on a different level right and, and we, we it, it just shift yeah so after the whole session he sat like very relaxed on my bed he's really relaxed there and and I was very relaxed mirroring his you know yeah. sitting with the you know very relaxed so I just looked at him and said are you relaxed and he said I'm pretty relaxed and we just start to laugh at each other because this was so funny yeah so that's where the humor is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's not me right, being funny, right. but it's just waiting for the moment where yes. you can crack it and, and, yep. and break it down. And, and from that point on, we, we could discuss everything. Yeah, that's Funny great. things, hard things. Yes. So we connect it. Yeah, so it's
0: that humor through real observation and listening yes. and you see and you notice maybe a little contradiction or a, you know, and, and you've established the relationship so you can sort of shine a little light and yes. it's funny and I, I'm thinking of times people have done that with me where they'll notice something and then I'll be like, oh yeah, that is weird. Why am I doing that,
1: you know? Yeah. So like it's appreciated yes. by that point. And if you go back to Waldorf school, actually the sixth grade, I think, there Rudolf Steiner says the teacher should bring in humor into the classroom because then you have this black and white painting, you know, different Mm. angles, perspectives. Mm. And so you have to bring humor to bridge my opinion with your opinion, which is maybe Mm. the opposite. Right. So that's, he already talked about humor back then and I still think that's uh, something we should go more you know go for yeah it's so healthy that's so great yeah yes
0: okay so we've got the temperaments we've got humor and anything else that you're you know like just really excited about or working on well
1: actually I'm very excited about you know talking to people with no background or Mm -hmm. you know I give a monthly lecture in my office Mm -hmm. and I never know who's showing up so Mm -hmm. there can be you know people who read Steiner for the last 30 years yeah, and that could be you know the friend of a client who just popped in for the first time right so and I like to use language that actually fits for all of them yeah and then when people want to know more you know like wow this is very interesting what you're talking about, then I can say, you know, you can maybe read a little bit of this or look a little bit into that. So, And then I can, you know, show that it's anthroposophy and it's there. Right, they can go deeper then that, if they then want to. Then they can go deeper. Mm-hmm. But I I think it's important these days, and as I see it, um, when I deal with Anthroposophists, that it's, it's important to just open up mm-hmm. to a more genuine kind of language mm-hmm. and not um this strict mm-hmm. um, language uh, which is hard to understand so i i yeah. i think that's one of the things we all should learn mm-hmm. how are you talking and then i try to use your words your mm-hmm. pictures your whatever you bring i use that as as my tool yeah. and not um you know, impose before, a language yes, or impose, without
0: knowing, without being able to speak the person's language that's across exactly. from you, right? So you speak that first. Yes. You meet that person yes. at their language, yeah.
1: So I call that it's a heart-to-heart mm-hmm. talk, and right. then the other one w- would be a head-to-head. head-to-head. Yeah, head-to-head, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because from the head you cannot go directly to the other's heart right yeah that's that's, true. that's not so possible yeah but you can go from the heart to the head or the heart to the gut whatever from the heart you can go everywhere but from your head it's just head head yeah and it's hard to sink down from the head to the heart
0: yeah and I feel like so many of the concepts that we are so acquainted with in anthroposophy are so um, they're universal in so many ways um, and and interesting for people and that if we're able to just talk about them and meet people where they are then there's nothing in the way there are no barriers then so exactly yeah yes yeah so like 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 the temperaments for example that's really helpful for people to understand, yes. you know, like people think think of the Myers-Briggs, like where you get, you know, you're an ENFJ or whatever mm-hmm. those things yes. are, you know, and if you have the sense of temperaments, um, but especially this piece about communicating, like surfing yes. the temperament that comes your way, like the, that's really helpful information. We want people to be able to just connect on that, you know. Exactly. Yeah, so it's nice how you're bringing it. Thank it's you. A very social way of bringing it. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I'm, I, you know, I, I'm i experiences on a daily basis. Right, right, exactly. This is just my experience, it's not my knowledge. Yes, right,
0: right, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Okay, well, it was great talking with you. It was fun. So, Anna DeWild, thanks for joining us today. This has been really great, and I feel like I've learned a lot of how to... Like work with my own children or just other people that I meet in the world through understanding the temperaments and um, always having that bit of humor in there. So that's been really great.
1: Thank you for having me here. It's great to talk with you, and I have a great time here. Yeah, that's California. Great. <laughs> Woohoo. You just love it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll see you
0: again in California or in Switzerland. Who I, knows? I will come back. Okay, yeah, sounds I'm... good. <laughs> okay, thank you so okay, much. Okay, thanks. Bye. joining us today on The Anthroposopher. Stay tuned for our next episode.